Sonnet 68, from Spencer's Amoretti, 1595. Most glorious Lord of life, that on this day didst make thy triumph over death and sin, and having harrowed hell didst bring away captivity, thence captive, us to win. This joyous day, dear Lord, with joy begin, and grant that we, for whom thou didst die, being with thy dear blood clean washed from sin, may live for ever in felicity. And that thy love, we weighing worthily, may likewise love thee for the same again. And for thy sake, that all like dear didst buy, with love may one another entertain. So let us love, dear love, like as we ought. Love is the lesson which the Lord us taught. I would like to begin our journey this Holy Week by recalling what I said yesterday when I drew your attention to a piece called Lecture on Nothing by John Cage. It began this way. I am here, and there is nothing to say. If among you are those who wish to get somewhere, let them leave at any moment. What we require is silence but what silence requires is that I go on talking. In referring to this, I made the claim that the devotion and drama of Holy Week was a kind of talking designed to reduce us to silence, or perhaps better, to create within us a silence in which we can receive the divine word that is itself silence, and then, somehow having received, speak against fear. I gave you an image to help you with the idea. I suggested that you might take every word that ever was, in every language and dialect and script that ever was, and write them one on top of the other. You would end up, of course, with just a mass of silent ink. Every word would be there, but silent, indistinguishable, unspeakable. Then I suggested that you take the paper with this mass of ink and hold it in front of two mirrors so that they reflected each other to create a series that regresses infinitely. With this before you, I suggested that it was both easier and more accurate to describe the divine word as silence rather than speech, and I concluded, we tell Christ's story because we must bear witness to the silent word, the word that compels us the word that we receive in silence, the word that is silence. For silence is what we require to receive the silent word, but that word requires that we go on talking, especially to dispel our fear. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, 
one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for three hundred denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. I have chosen a poem of Edmund Spencer to act as a sort of unifying conceit for these meditations. But the poem itself is a love poem for Easter Day, and we have only just entered Jerusalem. Since there is no resurrection life without first Christ's death on a cross, since all our talking about the silence of the word is itself a paradox, because of these things, we will take Spencer's poem deliberately and consciously contrarywise. We will start at the end and work our way back to the beginning. We do this so that when Easter morning dawns, we shall have traced a path we know already. We will have worked our way back to the tomb and be ready to greet our risen Lord. We will see ourselves where we have always been, but in a new place. We will have moved ourselves to stillness, and we will, God willing, have talked ourselves silent. So let us begin. Love is the lesson which the Lord us taught. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Where did Judas miss love's lesson? He was called by the same Lord as the other disciples. Following, he heard the same teaching. He witnessed the same miracles and saw their effects. He must have spoken to Lazarus the very night that Mary anointed Jesus' feet. We could say that Judas missed love's lesson because he was a thief. We could say that in him, loving money more than others, love was misplaced. But on the evidence of today's Gospel, perhaps it's better to say that Judas missed love's lesson because his heart resented. He stole because he resented, resented others' money, resented others' love. But love, as you well know, is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable, nor is it resentful. Love can easily prick resentment from others, but love cannot live in a heart that resents. Beware the pointed question that grows from resentment. Beware the ill-intended implication that spites love. It is from these would-be wounds that Jesus speaks to defend Mary. Leave her alone. A heart that learns to love becomes extravagant. It is a watercourse that cannot contain the living water. 
leave her alone? Where did Mary learn her Lord's lesson? Where did she get that living water? She learned it where she honoured it. She knew the one thing needful and did it. She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The house is filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Love is the lesson which the Lord us taught. The lover's hair shines with oil. Leave her alone.